Good morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. Today is actually National Taco Day, which inspired me to explore poetry written about food, which also inspired today's Twitter post. And I'm very, very excited to share with you guys these poems about food and the importance of eating and eating with people, eating alone, and various forms of comfort food. So let's dive right in. Of course, we have to start with a heavy hitter. So um, I decided that we were going to start with a Margaret Atwood poem, and this is titled They Eat Out. In restaurants, we argue over which of us will pay for your funeral, though the real question is whether or not I will make you immortal. At the moment, only I can do it, and so I raise the magic fork over the plate of beef-fried rice and plunge it into your heart. There is a faint pop, a sizzle, and through your own split head, you rise up glowing. The ceiling opens, a voice sings, love is a many-splendored thing, and you hung suspended above the city. In blue tights and a red cape, your eyes flashing in unison. There are other, the other diners regard you, some with awe, some only with boredom. They cannot decide if you are a new weapon, weapon or only a new advertisement. As for me, I continue eating. I liked you better the way you were, but you were always ambitious. This is titled From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. I apologize if I mispronounced any of the names. From blossoms come this brown paper bag of peaches we bought from the boy at the bend in the road where we turn toward signs painted peaches. From the laden burrows, from hands, from sweet fellowship in the bins comes nectar at the roadside. Succulent peaches we devour, dusty skins and all. Comes the familiar dust of summer, dust we eat. Oh, to take what we love inside, to carry within us an orchard, to eat not only the skin but the inside, not only the sugar but the days, to hold the fruit in our hands, adore it, then bite into the round jubilance of peach. There are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background. From joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom, impossible blossom to sweet, impossible Blossom. <clears throat> this next one is Blackberry Picking by Seamus Hen Heaney. Late August, given heavy rain and sun, for a full week the blackberries would ripen. 
At first, just one, a glossy purple clot, among others, red, green, hard as a knot. You ate that first one, and its flesh was sweet, like thickened wine. Summer's blood in its leaving stains upon the tongue and lust for picking. The red ones, inked up that a hunger, sent us out with milk cans, pin teas, jam pots, where the brer scratched and wet grass bleached our boots. Round hayfields, cornfields, and potato drills, we trekked and picked until the cans were full, until the tinkling bottom had been covered with the green ones, and the top, big, dark blobs burned like a plate of eyes. Our hands were peppered with thick thorn pricks, our palms sticky with blue beards. We honed, hoarded the fresh blackberries in the briar. And when the bath was filled, we found a fur, a rat gray fungus glutting on our cash. The juice was stinking too. Once off the brush, the fr fruit fermented, the sweet flesh would turn sour. I always felt like crying. It wasn't fair. That was all the lovely canful smelt of rot. Each year I'd hoped they keep. Knew they would not. This is Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti. Morning and evening. Maids heard the goblins cry, Come buy our orchard fruits. Come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges. Plump and pecked cherries, melons and raspberries. Bloom down cheeked peaches, swart hearted mulberries, wild freeborn cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pine apples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries, all ripe together in summer weather. Morns that pass by, fair eaves that fly, come by, come by, our grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bullaces, rare pears and green ga gauges. Damson and bileberries, taste them and try. Currants and gooseberries, bright fire-like barberries. Figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, sweet to tongue and sound to eye. Come by, come by. Evening by evening, among the brookside rushes, Laura bowed her head to hear. Lizzie veiled her blushes, crouching close together in the cooling weather with clasping arms and cautioning lips with tingling cheeks and fingertips. Lie close, Laura said, pricking her up her golden head. We must not look at the goblin men. We must not buy their fruits. Who knows upon the soil they fed their hungry, thirsty roots. Come by, all the goblins hobbled down the glen. Oh, cried Lizzie. Laura, Laura, you should not peep at goblin men. Lizzie covered her eyes, covered close light, lest they should look. Laura reared her glossy head and whispered like the restless brook. Look, Lizzie, look, Lizzie, down the glen, tramp little men. One hauls a basket, one bears a plate, one lugs a golden dish of many pounds of weight. How fair the vine must grow, whose grapes are so luscious. How warm the wind must blow, those fruit bushes. No, said Lizzie, no, no, no. Their offerings should not charm us, their evil gifts would harm us. She thrust a dimpled finger in each ear, shut eyes out and ran. Curious Laura chose to linger wandering at each merchant man. One had a cat's face, one a whisked a tail, one tramped at a rat's pace, one crawled like a snail, one like a wombat prowled obtuse in fury, one like a retail tumbled hurry scurry, 
She heard a voice like voice of doves cooing all together. They sounded kind and full of loves in the pleasant weather. Laura stretched her gleaming neck like a rush embedded swan and lily from the beck like a moonlit popular branch and like a vessel at the launch when its last restraint was gone. Backwards up the mossy glen turned and trooped the goblin men and the shrill repeated cry, come by, come by. When they reached where Laura was, they stood stock um, still upon the moss, leering at each other, brother with queer brother, signaling each other, brother with sly brother. One set his basket down, one reared his plate, and one began to weave a crown of tendrils, leaves, and rough nuts brown. Men sell not such in any town. One heaved the golden weight of the dish and fruit to offer. Come by, come by, was still their cry. Laura stared but did not stir, longed but had no money. The whisk-tail merchant bade her taste in tones as smooth as honey. The cat-faced purred, the rat-faced spoke a word of welcome, and the snail-paced even was heard. And the parrot voiced like jolly, and cried pretty goblin still for pretty Polly. One whistled like a bird, but sweet-toothed Laura spoke in haste, Good folk, I have no coin Take to take were to purloin. I have no copper in my purse. I have no silver either. All my gold is on the furs that shakes the windy weather and above the risty heather. You have much gold upon your head, they answered all together. Buy from us with a gold curl. She clipped the precious golden lock, dropped a tear more rare than a pearl, then sucked her fruit globs, fair and red, sweeter than honey from the rock, stronger than that man rejecting wine, clearer than the water flowed that juice. She never tasted such before. How should it cloy with length of use? She sucked and sucked and sucked the more fruits which that had unknown orchard bore, then flung the emptied rinds away and gathered up the kernel stone and knew not was it night or day and still turned towards home. Lizzie met her at the gate, full of wise upbraidings. Dear, you should not stay up so late. Twilight is not good for maidens. Should not loiter in the glen in the hunts of goblin men. Do you remember Jeanie? How she met in the moonlight, took their gifts, both choice and many, ate their fruits and wore their flowers, pucked from bowers, and the summer ripened at all hours. But never in the noonlight. She pined and pined and pined away, sought them night and day, found them no more, and dwindled and grew gray. She fell with the first snow. While to this day no grass will grow where she lays low, I planted daisies there a year ago that never blow. You should not loiter so. Nay, hush, said Laura. Nay, hush, my sister. I ate and ate my fill, yet my mouth waters still. Tomorrow nights I will buy more, and kissed her. Have done with sorrow, I'll bring you more plums tomorrow, fresh on their mother twigs, cherries worth getting, you cannot think what figs my teeth have met in, what melons icy cold, piled of dish of gold, too huge for me to hold, what peaches with a velvet nap, pulsed grapes without one seed, ordinous indeed must be the mead, whereon they grow, and pure the wave they drink, and the lilies at the brink, and sweet sugar sap, 
Golden head by golden head, like two pigeons in one nest, folded in each other's wings, they lay down in their curtained bed, like two blossoms on one stem, two flakes of new-fallen snow, like two wands of ivory tipped with gold for the awful kings, moon and stars gazed in at them, wind sung to them a lullaby, lumbering owls forebone to fly, not a bat flapped to and fro round their rest, cheek to cheek and breast to breast locked together in one nest. Early in the morning, when the first crock crowed his warning, neat like bees and sweet like busy, Laura rose with Lizzie, fetched the honey and milked the cows, ere to set the rights to house, kneaded the cakes and white just wheat, cakes for dainty mouths to eat. Next churned the butter, whipped up cream, fed the poultry, sat and sewed, talked to the modest maidens should, Lizzie with an open heart, Lauren in an absent dream. One content, one stuck sick in part, one warbling for the mere bright day's delight, one longing for the night. I forget how long some of these poems are, especially the anecdotal fairy tale fantasy ones. So we're going to leave that there. Um, Christina Rossetti wrote a fabulous poem. Um, and I think that one in its entirety would take like the entire podcast to read. We're going to pause here to talk about today's sponsor and then close out with a couple shorter poems. Um, thanks so much for tuning in and bearing with us. We'll be back soon. Alrighty, everyone, if you haven't yet heard about Breaking Egg or Miranda Shea, then I highly recommend you go back and check out any episode that says Grief Circle in the title. Also, check out M-I-R-A-N-D-A-S-H-E-H.com for more information, for tickets, and for dates, because these are wonderful events that are creative, inspiring, and wholesome ways to handle grief and other feelings of loss. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode, and I hope to see you there. This is Damien. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Spasm of Feelings. I post every couple weeks if you're looking for new poems or if you just want some pictures of my cat, you can check me out there. As we come back, this next poem is from a guest who was actually on the podcast with us earlier this year, Rhiannon McGavin. This is from the collection that we talked about, Grocery List Poems. It is a fantastic collection and I highly recommend adding it to your collection if you haven't already. And this poem is Persimmon Season. It was growing the whole summer between the green persimmons out front which melt in with their own round leaves, the fruit invisible until they're too bright to look away. Our day is slow with sex, the thick yellow curtains always drawn against the heat so that the light falls, through the color washing the bedroom in a gold you could swim through, honey, spilling over under the door as if every hour was that time just before sunset, when each corner of the apartment holds the wet glint of another toast. The hours you practiced, the same nocturne on the piano, the same phrase drawn note by note, your fingers careful down the contours of the song.
The hours I gathered last week's pink and white lilies, rinsed the vases and filled them with new water and pennies, cut the stems at a slant to make the blooms last another few days. In September, when I came back from the train station without you, I found the street flamed with persimmons. Orange lanterns hung from every branch, lighting away on if not home, and a bite of this, the stolen fruit, skin tight at the first chill, the cinnamon-heavy flesh, your torso, and the long shadows again. And the final poem that I want to share with you guys is The Emperor of Ice Cream, written by Wallace Stevens. Call the roller of big cigars the muscular one and bid him whip in kitchen cups compressant curds. Let the wenches dwaddle in the dress as they are used to wear, and let the boys bring flowers in last month's newspapers. Let it let be the finale of seem. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. Take from the dresser of deal, lacking with three glass knobs, that sheet on which embroidered fantails once and spread it so as cover her face. If her horny feet protrude, they come to show how cold she is and dumb. Let the lamp affix its beam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Learning to Fly podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I can't wait to see you again tomorrow for another episode. Bye! Mm -hmm.